0: This is Coffee Number Five. I'm your host, Lara Schmoisman. Welcome back. I'm so happy you're here in Coffee Number Five. And today we have here an expert in collaboration, Bailey Hancock. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Well, I, I know our path cross a few times. We never were matched to talk because Mm -hmm. we networked together in this group called Six Degree Society that we both love, and we never were matched. Maybe we should complain about that at some
1: (laughs) point. (laughs) We need to talk to the manager. Emily, (laughs) we we need to talk to you. Well, but she did end up matching us just via email later, not at an event. That's
0: that's true. That's very true. So she did her job.
1: She always Uh, does. She knows exactly who to match people with at exactly. the right time
0: yeah and apparently you do too but you work with companies so this is fascinating so tell me more about it so you're an expert collaborator so you match companies and entrepreneurs or companies and companies how Mm -hmm. does this work So you're right. I
1: mean, if we think about Six Degrees Society, which I know Emily has been on the show. So, you know, plug for her episode here. She matches human to human, right? Individuals. I teach people, mostly entrepreneurs, also organizations and companies, how to think collaboratively. And a lot of what goes into that is who are the right people that they should be partnering with and teaming up with to help each other achieve their goals. So a lot of what I do is really teach them those principles and then send them out into the world. But then, of course, once we're finished working together, we, my relationship to them becomes more of that matchmaker. And I, I always say, you know, once you're in my web, you never escape you're one of my people forever. And how that usually works is once we're done finished or once we're finished working together, I now intimately know their business. I know what they're trying to achieve in the world. I know their story. I know their heart. I know who they are, which makes it easy for me as I go through my life to see a potential brand that might be a great partner for them or an individual that I think they definitely need to meet. So they just go on my, you know, in my Rolodex, in my brain, if anybody remembers Rolodexes, um, of somebody to match with other people. And it's never a forced thing. It's it's usually pretty organic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just have these people in my head where I'm like, oh, you know what? You need to meet my friend. You need to talk to this person. I think you guys could be great together.
0: I'm the same way. I sometimes just... Called people that I haven't seen in like 10 years. And I say, you know what? I remember you were doing this. And I think you should meet this person. Yeah. Say, How do you remember? I'm not doing that anymore. And I say, oops. I mean, but I think that's
1: that's a skill, right? That's a talent that a lot of people don't have. And it took me till being in my mid thirties to recognize that. But being a connector is definitely a specific type of personality, right? And people always ask me, what CRM do you use? How do you keep track of all your contacts? I'm like, oh man, I don't. They're in my head. Um, and I'm very intuitive with it. Sometimes somebody will pop into my mind that I haven't thought about in a long time. And I'll reach out and say, what are you up to? What's going on? But that's why I love LinkedIn because if people are actively engaging on there, you're aware of what they're up to. And that makes you think of, oh, well, they're doing this now, or they're trying to get into this space. I know somebody they should chat with, or I know somebody they should meet who might be able to help them.
0: Yeah, that's so true. Well, for me, I use it into the production space. For me, it was always to keep in in my head who I can use for this production or the other production. When I started uh, when I went to school, they told me, your book, your phone book, because we use phone books, and right. that is your, <laughs> like your best friend. You, any number that you have, you keep it, and you make copies, because if you lose your phone book, you are lost.
1: Right. Thank God for email now, right? It's so much yeah. easier to find somebody's email than phone, but yeah, your book, right? Your your Rolodex, your your CRM, whatever you use, if you're a connector... That for me is my business. You know, my network is my business, and that's why people like Emily are so important in my community. Because to have other connectors connecting the connectors, I mean, it feels like you you could get anybody, you could get to anybody in this world, you know, through a group of people who know who seemingly know everybody.
0: Yeah, it's like it's the six degrees. Totally, mm-hmm. it's like you are you have a village, and your village knows someone in the other village. It's like you never yeah. know. And that's why you never burn bridges. Exactly.
1: Exactly. It doesn't mean you have to, you know, be best friends with those people, but I've had many instances where somebody turned out to be a very bad partner and I wanted to burn the bridge. I wanted to light that thing on fire, but I didn't. And I was like, just walk away. And then, you know, six months, a year, a couple years go by and that person reaches out from a different company. They are like a totally different person. And you realize You don't know the whole story of what's going on in somebody's life at the time that's causing them to be a certain way, right? If they're rude to you and they're dismissive, it might not be that they're actually doing that because it's you. They might be, you know, getting a ton of pressure from their boss or maybe they're in the middle of a breakup or, you know, whatever. Their parent is sick. So there's a million reasons you shouldn't burn bridges. But one of the big ones is you just aren't privy to what's going on behind the scenes. They might actually be a lovely person. You just caught them in a crappy time.
0: And also, you never need to feel like you're above anyone. Mm -hmm. I had situations like many years ago, I hired someone. A few years back, that person hired me. So yeah. you never know.
1: You um, don't. And with how quickly people change jobs and positions now in companies, it's like, that's why I always say I don't partner with companies. I partner with people. And it's because companies are just a bunch of people first. And then because people change jobs or they start businesses or they go they quit their business and go to work for somebody again, you suddenly have all these new doors open to you with the same individual. So if you can maintain your relationships and keep, keep nurturing your network, You have no idea the options in front of you that can come in the future just by keeping that one relationship alive
0: Yeah, that's so true. So let's say that I have my own business, which I do I come to you because I want to create new partnership. I want to take my business to the next level So I come to you and say, okay, so what can you do for me? Well, I always
1: push back initially and say, well, so why do you want to partner, right? What do you think you're going to get from it? And I think that's an important thing to clarify before you start down the road, because a lot of people think, you know, oh, collaboration, that sounds so fun. And it's so sexy. And like, everybody's hashtagging collaboration over competition now. And, and it's true. And obviously, there's not a bigger fan in the world of collaboration than me. But I think what's important, I mean, before you do anything with anybody that you're going to pay is make sure that your intentions are in the right place, and that your goals are, are realistic. And so, I I always tell people, like, my superpower is truly in helping people grow their top of the funnel, which is so corporate and blah. But what that means to me, and I use this analogy a lot these days, is I help you get people to your party. So if you think about high school, uh, if you're throwing a party, you obviously want the right kids there. Oh, I
0: hated high school. No, 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 no. <laughs> okay, let's, let's, let's say let's college, college, college okay, was
1: fun. All right, fine. College, you're throwing a party, you know, you've got all the fixings for a great party. You've got a DJ, you've got lighting, you've got food, you've got all the things, uh, right? Even alcohol. Party. College with alcohol. Lots of so, alcohol, probably, yeah. yes. You've yeah. got it sponsored, even like you're set up. But it's going to be very lame if nobody's there. But of course, you don't want a bunch of random warm bodies there, just like you don't want an email list full of people that don't open your emails. You want the people there that are digging your party and that are going to love your party and love that kind of music and that kind of booze and that kind of atmosphere. So what collaboration can really do is it's essentially you going to, let's say, the different leaders of each of these groups. So let's say you want this particular, you know, sorority or fraternity to come to your party. You'd go to the president and say, hey, I'm having this party. Here's some information. Spread the word. You're not going to go spread the word to groups that you don't want to show up, right? That makes no sense. It's the exact same collaboration. So I always push back and say, you know, if you're trying to grow, I don't help people grow for the sake of growth. I help people grow with the right target demographic who is more likely to convert into clients, customers, community members, attendees, whatever it is that you're trying to do because collaboration can be a beautiful, wonderful thing and usually free, but we can talk about that later, Um, but only when done from a good place, right? When done with intention and with authenticity and by partnering with communities and individuals and brands who have overlapping mission, Vibe and audience to you. Otherwise, it's going to feel weird and mismatched to everybody involved, especially your communities. So, I think that's really important. If you're going to grow, don't just grow for the sake of growth because those people are then going to take up space on your email list, or maybe they'll follow you, but they're they're going to unsubscribe or unfollow. They're never
0: going to convert.
1: They're not going to convert. And then you've kind of wasted your time. And if you did put any marketing spend behind it, you've wasted money. So, I think it's far more important and beneficial to partner with the right people and the right brands so that you are bringing in the perfect potential future fan, not just a random warm body
0: to drink your beer, you know? (laughs) And how do you feel about taking some risks? Because I always a big fan to find partnerships or collaborations or finding that potential potential collaboration that it's a new thing. It doesn't make sense in the papers, but somehow it works. I mean,
1: I'm, I'm all for taking risks. I think, again, it's like, what's the intention behind it? Is it to push beyond your comfort zone and just see if this works, if this crazy idea works? I think the more interesting it is from the outside looking in, and sometimes even the more intriguing it is, the more likely people will pay attention and click or read or share it. So I think taking risks can be great. I think the most important thing, again, is is make sure you have the right intention at the start of it. And it aligns with a goal of some kind. And if the goal is to get attention for it, great, check, mark that off. Um, And so I think just, again, making sure that like the framework of it is solid before you do it, or you, you know how you want it to end up.
0: So usually someone who hires you to work in collaboration, how many times they have to work with you?
1: Yeah, it totally depends on what their goals are. So my primary program is a ten-week program where I'm really—I say that I, I teach people to fish versus catching the fish for them. So mm-hmm. I'm teaching them truly to embody a collaborative mindset, and you know that's kind of hard to explain without going through it. But essentially, it's seeing the world through collaboration lens, right? It's like if you're trying to, you know, achieve some particular business goal. Let's say you're launching a conference. Don't think about all the things you you as an individual have to do to launch that conference suddenly with a collaboration lens, you think, okay, I have to launch this conference. I'm excited to launch this conference. Who could I bring in to help me do this? Who can I help, you know, have help me spread the word. Who can I partner with to have, you know, food and alcohol donated. Is there a venue I can collaborate with? That's going to be excited to have my kind of participants and attendees and is going to give me a venue in exchange for bringing great people to it. Like you start to see everything you do from a new angle. And I'm telling you, as an entrepreneur who has primarily worked alone for the last nearly four years, suddenly when you can open it up and think, oh, I don't have to, you know, necessarily hire all of these people. I can find ways to Partner with them in a way that's going to feel like an even value exchange to both of us, where everybody's getting what they want, everybody's winning, nobody's overcommitting or overextending themselves. And suddenly you're not doing anything alone anymore. You're doing it with other people, and hopefully along the way, also helping them achieve their goals. So it's just a totally different vibe when you go about it that way.
0: Yeah, it, it's a completely different point of view. It's like switching your point of view and it's a process. I don't think, oh, yeah. I, I think it's difficult even for some people to change the way they see the process 100%. of the collaboration because probably many people, and tell me if I'm wrong, they see it as a business transaction.
1: They can, or competition, right? People have a lot of fear around being taken advantage of or getting screwed over or having their ideas stolen. They have a lot of... um fear of working and trusting others. Uh, I think a lot of us were raised to believe that like, if we don't do something on our own, it doesn't count. Like if we have help, it doesn't count as much as if we did it all by ourselves. Or, you know, I find with a lot of my clients who are in the millennial generation we were forced to do so many group projects and inevitably one person did the work and it's always my client, at least in their memory, right? That they did all the work. So the idea of partnering. Yeah, they're, f- groups, they're free writers. Exactly. Everybody assumes they're the one that did the work in the group project, by the way. <laughs> I'm yeah. I'm finding that to be true. But, you know, so there is some deprogramming that has to take place and, I say I'm part entrepreneur therapist as well because we'll get to the part where we're talking about, okay, what is it that you can offer a partner? What are your gives? I call them asks and gives. What do you want and what can you offer? When we get to the gives, there's always almost a moment where I can see in the other person's eyes that they're like, oh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I could offer that they're going to want. Like, why would they want to partner with me? And they go down this weird imposter syndrome spiral. And that's when I have to close the laptop and be like, okay, let's talk you are worthy, you have lots to offer, you know, value is very dependent upon the person. So there's a lot of tactics that I have now with my clients where I can see it coming. I'm like, okay, we're going to get to the gives and they're going to freeze up and they're going to feel bad about themselves. Here's how we can direct that energy in a way that's
0: so, so interesting. That's so interesting. So they come to you because they're so valuable that they can have partnerships or even business transactions, but then at the point of giving, they freeze up. They freeze up or on the other side.
1: And sometimes both when, you, when I say, what do you want from this partnership? They'll, they'll say, Oh, I don't, I mean, I'm just excited if they want to work with me or they'll say something like that. And I'm like, well, what, that's not why you do a collaboration. Just to do it. No, we go back to our goals. Remember we did the goals and like you wanted promotion. That's what you have to ask for. Promotion.
0: Yeah, a, a collaboration is like, Friendship is a two way exactly. street Both, it's a relationship yeah this is something I mean we have a whole different discussion about this we're can have a whole different podcast about this, but I believe that in any kind of relationship work different relationship uh, re- uh, friendship collaborations it has to be a two way street absolutely everyone needs to get something from that relationship if there is someone who doesn't get What they need from that relationship Mm -hmm. is not working.
1: Well, and that's why I'm so heavy handed on the asks and the gives before we even talk about partnerships, before we even get to the part where we say, here's who might be a good partner to reach out to. That's like down the road because if you can't clearly define what it is that you want and what it is that you're willing to offer, you can't pass go. You need to know that first because what happens is if you get in a conversation with a potential partner and you haven't gotten clear on your asks and your gives, you're more likely to get wrapped up in the moment and either overpromise and potentially underdeliver, or you'll not ask for what you want or what you need. And then inevitably, that breeds bitterness down the road because chances are, I find this nine times out of 10, if somebody feels screwed over in a relationship, it's their fault. And what I mean by that is they weren't clear about what they needed. They weren't honest and open and transparent with the other party about what it is that they needed to get and what it is that they would like to get. And people aren't mind readers. You have to be clear about it.
0: Of course. So now you got them to a point that they know what they want uh, about the relationship or what they want about this collaboration. So Mm -hmm. next step is to find out who to approach and yes. how to approach it. Yes. That's a whole different level. It is. Because approaching someone, it's could be scary. You need to deal with rejection. It's, oh it's my a lot, God. It's more psychological stuff,
1: right? Yes. It's de- dealing with putting yourself out there and, Potentially being rejected. But the thing I have to come back to every single time with my clients when they say that is by not reaching out, you are rejecting yourself on behalf of them. You're not even giving them the opportunity to reject you. Like, like, that's like my worse. mother will
0: say, you
1: already have the no. Yeah. Yeah. You start with the no. Yeah. And you can only get the yes if you reach out and ask. And there is a lot of nuance that goes into appropriately and effectively reaching out to a potential partner. I have a whole email. That's my my free downloadable that I offer on my website. It's a partnership outreach email template because that is such... A sticking point for people, they just don't know what to say or how to approach people. So, what I find is most of the time, people over communicate or they just send like a five page email, and that's not going to get you where you want to oh, go. No, 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 you need ever. to go to the, to the point. To the point, give them Simple. links, let them find you. Let them, you know, I always say, like, how ha- give them the opportunity to stalk you in the way you'd like to be stalked. So, provide them with the links you want them to go to versus just having them Google you and having it be random that pops up. You know, I think getting to the point of what you want, that is the thing that, I mean, God, when I get reached out to by people that I don't know, nine times out of 10, they don't even tell me what they want. They, they like go through all this introduction and like, I'm this person and I do this. And then I have to like read the email multiple times to be like, did they even ask me for anything? What do they want? Do they want to talk? Do they want advice? Do they want to hire me? I have no idea. Yeah.
0: Be transparent. Go Just to the get point. to the damn point <laughs> exactly, and I have one more advice that I always tell my clients and prospective clients before you're gonna go ask for something before you're gonna be selling someone, look legit yes. look that you did your work look like if yes. you have an Instagram you have an Instagram place you have a nice website you you have your ecosystem in place yeah have a, now,
1: have a decent email signature that goes a long way for making you look legit have,
0: having a legit email address. Let's start for that. Right. Not, the not funny at one. Gmail
1: or not at like, yeah, some college email address that's like, wait, what?
0: Or no, funnymonkeybunny at gmail.com. <laughs> it's not going to work. No, that's not business, honey. No, exactly. Okay. Yeah. There's, there's so many little things like that that you can
1: do to automatically put yourself in a more qualified position in the person's mind that you're reaching out to. But I will say this, my number one biggest piece of advice when reaching out to potential partners is get a warm introduction from a mutual connection, if at all possible. That's yeah, where I'm, being friends with a connector really comes in handy. Oh, because Generally, I can get to anybody within a few days. I can almost get to any company within a few days through my network. And it's never a first-degree connection. It's always a second-degree connection, but that's why you have them. Who cares? doesn't matter. Point is, an email coming on behalf of somebody else versus a stranger just straight up reaching out cold, it's a completely different vibe, and it increases the likelihood that they will respond a billion-fold. Okay. Yeah.
0: 100% agree but then the next step is the meeting when you yes. get the one on one now even on camera yes it's you need to even with the email i have a a whole philosophy about marketing and and this is coffee number 5 what is it about that you always need to market yourself yeah. even the way you write an email it needs to be personal mm-hmm. is should tell your story you always storytelling and your personality need, need to be show in each piece of material in each yes. asset you send out Yeah, it shouldn't be a
1: templatized form field thing. It should be a little piece of you so that they can. I mean, I think the thing people forget when reaching out or in that initial meeting is people are so concerned with getting the other side to say yes. I think that's not the point. And it's the same with job interviews or dating. People are always trying to get the other party to like them. And that is important, but you want to like them too. And if you're not honest and not even honest, if you're not truthful to who you are, then they're not getting to see the real you. They're not getting to pick up what you're putting down or, or feel your vibe or whatever you want to say to it. So I think the more authentic you can be to who you are and your messaging and your values, like, in like you said, in everything you put out into the world, the more likely it is that you'll attract the people that you actually
0: want to work with and who will want to work with you. So also, if you know what you're going for, you have your target audience, you have the connection, you, you are sure about the collaboration you want, you know why you want it, then you have the introduction and then you make it personable. Mm -hmm. You have a lot more chances than when you started.
1: Oh my gosh. Yes. It's almost, it would have to be something beyond your control generally for them to say no at that point. Right. I think most people at that point would have it would have to be like a, I just don't have capacity for this right now, or like actually I'm focusing on this other thing that this doesn't align with. So it's not a no, but maybe it's an a later kind of thing. Um, but you're right. If you do all those steps going into that initial call, it should make it really simple for the other party to say yes to you.
0: Yeah. And even a no or a no right now, it's not a no. no. A, Nothing's I mean- a no forever. And you know what? It's a new connection. Maybe it's not a connection right now in this company. The fact that you got the one-on-one is a con you never know.
1: You don't. And you you might not realize who they know that actually would be a better fit for you, right? And uh, you don't know the
0: conversations they're having in their circles. Exactly. And it's one new connection that you have in your circle. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's a it's a win-win. I
1: mean, as long as you go through the process like that, I think it's when people reach out without doing any homework. They do it sloppily. They don't get a warm introduction if it's available. And they just sort of kind of half-ass it. And they write way too long of an email. Don't get to the point. They don't even say clearly what they want. You're lucky if they even respond to you, right, yeah. to that initial email. You're lucky if you get a no, right?
0: Yeah. So, Yeah. No, I think there is a whole bad feeling about the word networking is like, because people use networking when they need it.
1: Right. And that's not when
0: you use it. (laughs) Exactly. It's the opposite. I mean, I network in every place I can. I mean, let me tell you a story because it was super funny. I was going to Argentina to visit my family. And I had some business meetings also. Two days before I was about to travel, I had to check in. No, it was one day before. I was about to check in. I looked at my passport and I realized that it's expired. I said, oh my God. I didn't say that. I said something a (laughs) lot worse than that. (laughs) So, and my flight was like in the middle of the morning next day. So I got, it was just me and my kids. I left the the luggage, everything ready. I took an Uber to the, build, the federal building here in LA at five in the morning to try to get an emergency pass, passport. And on the line, I made business. I met people. I ended up getting a client.
1: Oh my God. That's amazing. It's a masterclass <laughs> in networking. A place you at least expected
0: exactly, but I got my passport too, and I flew to Argentina. Multitask.
1: That's I mean that's the thing. Like people think of networking as a thing that you go to do. Like I'm going to go to a networking event, and frankly, I think networking events, with the exception of Six Degrees, that is definitely the exception to the rule. Networking events are not exactly a great place to network because it's not narrow enough, right? Like it doesn't. It's have like a, the, it's like a the dating theme. event. The single exactly cement. it's like you need I think it's way better to meet people in places where you automatically have something in common you know if you go to panels or you go to some kind of talk or a workshop Right away, you know that you have something in common with all the other people in that room. You all came to hear about this topic, which means you probably all care about it in some capacity. You've got an initial conversation starter right there. When you go to an event that's like a networking event, it's like there's no common theme. You know, you're having to start from scratch, which doesn't feel good for anybody, even people that like to meet new people. It's harder to start a conversation that way when it's just so open-ended.
0: And also, when it, that perception exists of that anyone who goes to network is because it's looking for something. right.
1: Right, not that like, and that's exactly the point, right? It's like everybody's there for their own personal interest, so nobody's there to help somebody else. I think Six Degrees is so great. This this is like sponsored by Six Degrees Society. Yes, um, <laughs> Six Degrees is so great because there is a common topic, right? That you're both going for, and Emily does such a beautiful job of matching the people that yeah. you know. If she's matched us, we've got something in common, and you can start from there. And you know that you're both going with the intention of just genuinely meeting a new person for the sake of meeting a new person, not because you need something right now.
0: Yeah, and you're going for the programming as well
1: absolutely. And I, I mean, my version of what she says is, you know, it's really important to make deposits before you ever need to withdraw. And that's yeah. how I look at my network. I definitely give far more than I take from my network, which is, it's a problem of its own kind. But, um, you know, most people, I think, only tap into their network when they need a new job or they're looking for business connections or whatever, um, instead of just genuinely reaching out and offering support. Or that's, I mean, I use LinkedIn as a way to not only stay, up with what people are doing, but to have touch points with the people in my network. If I see somebody wrote an article, I'm going to comment, I'm going to read it. And I'm going to say, Hey, that was a great article. I love this topic.
0: I have to ask you a question because I always, you're like me, you're like such a giver. I'm making connections all the time. And you have probably this, Oh, I, I let me connect you with this, that people start doubting that if you have an agenda, why are you doing it? Hmm.
1: I haven't, I haven't had to face that. I don't know. Maybe people think that perhaps, but I've just tried to always lead with good relationship karma, you know, do unto others, all that stuff, like reach out for the reaching out when you don't need something or don't have an agenda. I always want people, if they see my email pop up in their inbox, I want them to have a feeling of like, Oh, yay. What does Bailey want? Not, Oh God, what does Bailey want? You know, like I want my email to still bring delight when people see it. So I'm very, very intentional and careful with how I leverage my network. And, you know, even with warm introductions, I never directly connect somebody unless I've gotten permission of the other person first. So if somebody says, Hey, can you connect me with Emily? I'll, I'll be like, why don't you send me a little blurb about what you want to talk to her about? I'll pass it along. And if she's open to it, then I'll connect you. Because I'm protecting all sides, of right? I'm I'm keeping the best interests of my people in my mind at all times. And that's genuine, genuinely like how I go about it. And that's why people still respond to me pretty much always if I reach out. It's because they know I'm not going to screw them over or, or put them in an awkward position.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that when you, sometimes when you are generous in how you give connections and you give help, People doubt because there are not so many people that they are just give without an agenda trying to get something back. Well, that makes me sad. (laughs) It it is super sad, but it is what it is. People have trust issues. People
1: have trust issues and they have ego issues. And those are the two biggest barriers to collaboration is a lack of trust and too much ego. And to your point, like earlier, you do, there are a lot of deep seated beliefs and limiting beliefs mostly that so many people have that we have to break through those before we can collaborate because otherwise it's, it's just not going to go well. You really have to come from a place of abundance, of generosity, of communication and trust and transparency. And when you can do that, even if the collaboration quote unquote fails, you will have learned something from it. You will have gained a new friend, a new connection experience, and you can learn from it and move on. But really, if you come from it from that place, then it's a totally different experience than if you don't.
0: I love it. I love it. I, I love it. And I think you have so much to offer. And I know also that you're offering in a, you created a Facebook group that is all about collaboration. We're gonna put the link in the chapter notes so people can be part of the group and ask and offer collaboration. And Bailey, Bailey, thank you so much for being here today. I really really appreciate it. We're clearly birds of a feather and I have no
1: doubt that we're gonna be in each other's webs now forever. (laughs) So I appreciate you.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. It was so good to have you here today. See you next time. Catch you on the flip side. Ciao, ciao.